0: So here we are again, another lovely Sunday, apparently the weather didn't get the memo that it is December now, and it's supposed to be cold and gray and snowy, yeah, what are you going to do, I guess? So, 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 alright, well Jesus, we thank you for this day, and for your word to us, and uh, for all of your blessings, God, you have blessed us immensely in this place, uh, God, not not just in these recent meetings, God, but down through the years, and God, that we have uh, come to this place and you have ministered to us and met with us in this place, God, and, and not even just in this place, God, but you have uh, walked the roads with us, God, you've, you've gone with us everywhere that we've gone, and uh, we just want to follow after you and have your word do to us those things that, that Your Word does. God, we just pray that You'd plant Your Word inside of us, God, and that uh, give us those ears to hear and hearts to receive, God, the things that You would say to us today. God, and uh, have that expectation of Your presence in this place, God, ministering and and being ministered to. God, we want to come and bring You that offering of, of praise and thanksgiving. God, we just praise You and we glorify You in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, yesterday morning, um, my uh, my children were feeling rather cabin feverish, and had, they wanted to do something fun. You know, some some people like gifts, some people like experiences. You know, it's like it's kind of just a difference in personality, I think. And uh, you know, uh, my my default setting for showing someone love is to buy them something. That's what I do. I just I like, I'm a thing person, so I like give them things. And it's kind of funny because Jeremy is a, an experienced person. He wants to go do something fun. He doesn't really care if he has a souvenir. He wants to do something. And uh, I grew up doing nothing. When I, I grew up an only child, my parents had no friends, no hobbies, no interests of any kind. So, I, seriously, my childhood was the three of us in the house with my dad watching TV and my mom flipping through a magazine. And that was my childhood. And so I was kind of left to my own devices or to watch Unsolved Mysteries and Rescue 911 for the hundredth time with them. So, so you know, like it or not, we, we learn a lot of behavior from our parents. And uh, so, to me, the, to get out there and go do something feels more... A little more natural than I think it does to my parents, but still, I kind of like to, you know, I work. I like to sit at home, you know, find my comfy chair, my ottoman, my cup of coffee, and then that, that's, you know, I look forward to being that retired guy that that just has a coffee pot going all day long, you know, <laughs> just sucking down coffee until 10 o'clock, and then I'll toddle off to bed in my little slippers, you know. That's, I, I hope to get to do that someday, but... Anyway So we we were kind of making some plans to to uh do something fun with the children and uh, or rather to send Cynthia off to do something fun with the children <laughs> and, and uh, I was going to spend some time in prayer, but uh, uh I told the kids, Okay, we we've got something kind of figured out, but first we're going to we're gonna talk about the word a little bit. So after breakfast our business sit down and and on Saturdays at my house, breakfast is like lunchtime. And uh, so, finally, we get everybody get the living room put back together because my children think the couch is a trampoline. And and we get it all put back together, and uh, uh, everybody sits down. And uh, and Jeremy wants to know why why is, do we have to do this first? You know, why why can't we just go do something fun now? I was like, well, that's a good question. Like so, because I really hadn't didn't have anything in mind that I was going to talk to them about. so I said, well, let's talk about priorities then. And so I explained to them what you know priorities is about this thing is the most important, this thing is next important, this is next important. It's so like, for example, when Mike and I started our business, we decided that God has to be our top priority, and then our family comes next, and then comes work, then comes work over here, kind of down here, when when your wife looks at you with puppy dog eyes and asks if you have to go to work today, it's cold out, and you know, it's like, no, no, I don't really, then I can just text Mike and he makes all the uncomfortable phone calls and we don't go to work, but uh, that doesn't happen often, Um, but so priorities then. And i so I told him that's what we do, and so if you know if we have something come up with our family then then work takes the back seat to that and and uh if we have something going on at church or something that the Lord would have us do, then that that takes precedence over everything else, so it's explaining this idea of priorities to the kids and uh and so we talked about that for a while and uh when I sat down to uh, put together the Sunday school for this morning, I couldn't really think about anything else. And so I just I kind of came back to it again. And uh, uh, so you can go with me to Matthew 6. You know, uh, to me, that Matthew six thirty three is kind of the default Scripture for prioritizing properly, putting God first. And, and we're going to read that, but that's not where I'm going to start. Uh and I, I find this passage really interesting here and in uh, uh in Luke twelve. Uh it's kind of the same discourse. Uh and actually I'm I'm gonna kinda start out here, but I want to go over to Luke because I, I really like some of the things that he says there uh that are different than in Matthew. Uh, but the the thing that I found interesting as I did this study is I was thinking about prioritizing. And and this just seemed to be just the right passage for that. But when you, as I started reading it, it seems to have a lot to do with God taking care of you. And, I, and so I was kind of trying to extricate the idea of, you know, God's going to take care of everything for me from the idea of prioritizing. And I just couldn't seem to get them apart. And so, uh, um, so you'll see that a little bit, I think, as we go. So in Matthew 6 verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. So, of course, as Leonard Ravenhill says, this is why we don't have more than one wife.
1: Because you cannot serve two
0: masters. So, I, I tell people I've been married a long time, and the secret to a happy marriage is yes, dear. But that's not actually true, but uh, yeah. So no man can serve two masters because you just you just can't. And uh, and the, this word here that about saying that no man can is is that is that same word that it uses for power. So it's this, uh, that's dunamis. It's like you you are not able. To do both, just, it just—it simply is, is impossible to serve more than one master. It's like the old song says, "You're going to serve somebody," and so it might be God, it might be you, it might be somebody else. I knew somebody who they got married to this this woman that was not a believer, and they spent all of their time serving her instead of serving God, and and eventually that that all kind of fell apart on him. But, uh, um, you know, there, you have to have that sense of balance in, in relationship. You know, when you, you know, cause when you're getting married, you have to understand, you have to have a mutual understanding that, that your are for each of you, that your relationship with God trumps even this relationship that you have with them. And, uh. It's it's kind of an interesting thing to kind of come to grips with because when you really really love somebody, uh, it it uh, it somehow seems more real and more urgent than uh, or more immediate maybe than the than this relationship with this God that you can't see with your eyes, um, but but we have this this word and this presence in our life where we can uh, where we can see him. With eyes of faith, and so we we, we put him first. <clears throat> and and I can tell you when, uh, if your priorities kind of begin to get out of order, then it, it's hard to enjoy that time with your family if, if, say, you put your family first. I know for me it's really hard to drag myself away from my family and go shut myself away and go pray because I really enjoy Cynthia and the kids. And, and then I like to just sit in the living room and do nothing and just interact with them. It's kinda nice, and uh you know sometimes I think though it's uh we we have a tendency to give God kind of the tail end of our time like you know i I am all for first thing in the morning prayer. I think that's great that works for me pretty well typically, but uh I know sometimes. You know, we kind of like to have prayer at night too. But usually by then, particularly if you have young children with erratic sleeping patterns, then typically at that point you're kind of pretty ragged. Yeah. You know? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and um, I've spent a lot of prayer time like that. And uh, uh, so. Um, so that, that, that's a good thing about putting God first, you knowing you, you kind of start out the day there. It kind of starts your day out on a, on the right tone. So he says you can't serve God in mammon. And mammon is this... Uh, it's just a word they just brought over from uh, the Chaldean language. And and it's, it's selfishness and money and avarice all just personified. And so... Uh, you know what better, better picture of the flesh? Then you can't serve God and your own flesh. I I know, uh, you know my my flesh certainly likes me, and and money and 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 my things, my stuff that I want to do, and uh, so it's interesting because then you you find that you can't serve both, you can't have more than one master. Uh, so go with me over to uh to Luke chapter twelve. And this is essentially the same thing um that that he goes on to say in Matthew. And I'm going to start in verse fifteen. And uh, and so this this man comes to Jesus and uh, kind of wanting him to fix fix something in his life, kind of almost like a a little brother coming and telling him his big brother, and uh, and Jesus says, you know, who made me a judge or divider of you? And he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. You know, I, I became a Christian when I was a teenager, and. You know when when you're a teenager you know life your your view of life and your goals in life are a lot different than they are when you're an adult and uh, uh, you know like when you're young for example it really matters what kind of music you listen to you know people people kind of judge your character on what kind of music you listen to what kind of band do you like and, and all that kind of stuff and and you know I I fit right into that when I was young, and and I as I got older, I realized what difference does it make, you know. And uh, uh, so, oh come on, John, gonna... <laughs> it doesn't make a difference, let me tell you. So,
1: um,
0: you know, but uh, I I was always kind of uh, mystified. When I was younger, and, and Ron would talk about these kinds of things about not not worrying about God not taking care of and and or you know needing this and that kind of thing from God, and, and I, was, I always it never really um, resonated with me. Like I didn't have a house payment, I didn't have a car payment, I didn't have kids relying on me and stuff. You know, when you get older, you think about this stuff. You know, uh, when I when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was kind of more along the lines of, you know, just dropping everything and following him, and it's funny how, as as I got older and God really blessed my life, it seems that kind of stuff seemed to become more important to me. And it's like God would give me these blessings, and I really appreciated it, and so I wanted to show him that I appreciated it. But it's funny how you, um, you know, that, that's exactly what happened to Israel. Was he brought him into the promised land? And he blessed them and then they forgot about him. You know, and they, they came to to trust in their blessings and to, to look to their blessings more than to the one from whom all blessings flow. And so it's easy to do that. And um you know, God has he's really blessed me just just kind of in, incrementally, just sort of just increases. It, it doesn't seem to have been going down at all i certainly I certainly appreciate that it's really a blessing uh but it's a it's an interesting kind of blessing because it's really easy to get caught up in those everyday things like you have this business that's doing well and you have these things that you're doing things that you want to do you make these plans and it's really easy to get caught up in all that kind of stuff and just sort of fit your walk with God around it and and you know, and that's the thing about prioritizing is you have to set your priorities right, you know. And, uh, you know, because if you, if you want those blessings, then they, they have to be something that are um, kind of a secondary effect of your walk with God because you put Him first. And, you know, when you, uh, you know, it's like we just came out of Thanksgiving, you know and when you show god that you're thankful then then he's pleased to to bless you with more you know but uh you know the bible says the rich has many friends and so he's not after people who want to hang around him for the stuff and so um you know god really knows how to make a relationship with him uh really great and uh But it takes um, that sense of conscious choice, of of prioritizing your life properly. So he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room to bestow my fruits? He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. There I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat and drink and be merry. And God said to him, not fool this night, thy soul should be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which you have not provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, so again, priorities. You know, this, this man was blessed. And, he, and God had, had blessed him with a lot of stuff, but he was he was more uh, focused on the blessings than on on the bless'er, as it were, if that's a word. And uh, so, you know, it, I think that's a that's a cautionary tale about serving yourself, because wow. the the more you have, the easier it is to just focus on your own stuff. You know, when you but, and I think that's partly why god talks about leaving everything that you've got and following him because you you get weighed down with your stuff you know you're not going to take grandma's grand piano into the desert with you and and so uh, um you know i i feel like a, a broken record here but it's like you know that's the thing that god is talking about is, is just simply putting him first you know i really could could come up here and say that and and be done. So, and if, if you're wondering what a record is, it's uh, they're, they're making them again now. It's a plastic thing with grooves on it. So, they've somehow become popular again. So, I thought about that. I was like, I can see my kids looking at me. What's a cassette tape? You know. Like, my grandkids will be like, what's a CD? Like, Great. All right. Anyway, uh, verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. For the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And I've just always really really enjoyed that. You know, I've been through some times in life that were very slim, as it were. And uh, I remember being in the, uh, uh, what I like to call the early American poverty phase of of our marriage, where we lived in a a 40-year-old trailer and uh, had uh, all kinds of borrowed, mismatched, and otherwise broken-down furniture. Where we acquired our things through dumpster diving and begging and borrowing and and uh, nothing wrong with that, it works. But uh, uh, you know, I worked a job where I was rather dependent on um, on the weather being cooperative and uh, and the economy being cooperative and. Uh, so Cynthia and I had been married a few years when 9/11 happened, and uh, uh, that housing market uh, kind of hiccuped a bit. That was uh, disconcerting, and uh, you know, I just I had, had I had several winters in a row that just seemed to not not really quite be how I would have liked them to have been. Uh, but uh, I remember one year God giving me that passage in Matthew six. Going into this winter because it looked particularly bleak, and I just thought, wow, that's really precious, because God's saying, you know, like, look, the birds don't do anything, you know. In fact, you know, that I think, uh, I think the birds do have a job because when you get up in the morning, you can hear them singing, you know, and, and praising God, and and so He takes care of them, and you know, they're they're pretty, they sound nice, and uh um, but that's really all they do, and and God cares about just birds, and He says, you no, know, you're you're far more valued than them. Uh, so He says, uh, which of you, by taking thought, can add to His stature one cubit? I've known some people that if they could make themselves taller, they would. You know, I think I think we all have those things. If I could grow a beard, I would, <laughs> by God, but I don't think that will ever happen. My dad can't grow a beard, so I just have kind of resigned myself to it, bitterly. If you then, if you then be not, I know, and I'm friends with Chris, right? The man with the Velcro beard. Man, he just puts it on and takes it right back off. It's amazing. Okay. But I digress. If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, then why take you thought for the rest? You know, and I like that because we there's things that we can do. You know, and and I think a lot of us have learned um, as we've uh, grown and walked along this this path that uh, there are things we have to do. You know, uh, I uh, when I was young, I I went out and got a job without anyone telling me to in high school because I thought that's just what you do. That that was the example that my parents gave me, so I thought, okay, well. As soon as I was old enough to have a job, I went and found the job, and that's what I did. And uh, and then, uh, as I, I uh, when I became a Christian, then I kind of started seeing things like going to school and having a job, and, like it's kind of what's this? I don't, I don't need this.
1: <laughs> like, who who does this stuff? This is for the heathen, <laughs> you know, and. Uh,
0: um uh, you know, but God in his wisdom, you know, gave me this this beautiful girl in high school that I wanted to marry. And so I, I worked the worst job you could possibly have for an eighteen year old because I, I made minimum wage, which back then was a cool five fifteen an hour, and I could make up my schedule as I went. I could show up or not. It didn't matter. I could, as long as I didn't exceed forty hours, the guy didn't care what I did, wow. and it sounds great, right? <laughs> Except that when you're eighteen, yeah. you know it's not really all that great of a job because you're, you know, I'm doing the math. How much do I really have to make? You know, like, well, I I could work like twenty hours a week and get by, you know. But but then I realized, okay, you know what? This isn't this is not really going to work. I'm going to have to get a real job. If I ever want to get out of my parents' house, because she's probably not going to want to marry me and live in my room at my parents' house,
1: <laughs> um,
0: then I'm probably going to have to get a real job, and so I did. Uh, so we've all learned those things that you, you you have to get out there and do something. You know, uh, we can't sit in the nest forever going cheep cheep. You know. You know, I think we all go shopping and we think cheap, cheap. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no.
0: but you know, so the thing is, is you know, there are those things that that we have to get out there and do. But you know, there comes a place where you you come to those places in life where you just you've done what you can do, and there's no more that you can do, and you need more to be done. You just can't do it, and, and so that's where we rely on Him. You know, and 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 that's something that we learn is coming to that place where, well, I've done everything that I can think to do and so I'm just going to give this to the Lord then, and, and just trust Him to take care of it. So, if you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So I was explaining to my children yesterday like you know the thing about Solomon is he was the wealthiest king that Israel had and and uh, David had had fought all these battles and there was peace when Solomon was king. so he wasn't throwing his money at war. he was throwing his money at building his kingdom and and making it nice and God just Bless the heck out of this guy, and he was really wealthy. And so, what he's saying is that that this this greatest one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had, this wealthy, wealthy king, uh, that all of his nice, fancy stuff wasn't, in God's estimation, wasn't as uh, any nicer than than the flowers. And so, uh, so he says, if God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the ovens, and how much more will he clothe you? Well, you have a little faith. Seek not what you shall eat, or what you shall drink; neither be of a doubtful mind. And I like that because it doesn't have that particular verse in Matthew six. Neither be of a doubtful mind, and and that's great because, um, you know, doubt, of course, is the opposite of. Faith, because doubt is this expectation of bad. It's like I'm expecting God to leave me hanging. Or or better yet, I'm expecting God to uh, catch me with something that I didn't see and, and bust me for it. Whereas faith says that I expect good things from God. I expect Him to take care of me. I expect Him to watch out for me. And, and I know that He will. Uh, in uh, in my other Bible that I was reading yesterday, in the margin here it says, uh, um, "Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink; neither live in careful suspense." And I like that because I've I've certainly lived in careful suspense, and uh, you know nobody likes suspense typically. And uh, uh, I I have wanted to watch this movie with Cynthia and. Uh, She'd had a bit of a rough day. She's like, I don't think I could handle that much suspense today. Thank you. So, um, but you know, to live in careful suspense, you know, because you know, careful is an interesting word. It's not really, you know, I mean, cautious is a good, good word for that, but to be full of care, you know, I think is more what he's saying here. This, this sense of anxiety and worry, uh, And and living in suspense, this tension of waiting for the other the other shoe to drop. So he says, Neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you have need of these things. And I like that. You know, the the God who created you knows what you need. When you look at creation, of course, God made everything that people would need before He made people. And, and so that's the, the very nature of God because his, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God and the works of His hands teach His ways. You know, the firmament declares his, his ways. And so we can see in that that God, uh, God makes the provision for the things that we need and even the things that we want because He cares about the things that we want. And uh, I was explaining to my children yesterday, like you know, you guys have kind of this little mental Christmas list of All the your order form, as it were, of all the things that you're wanting for Christmas, and uh, um, and I can tell you that God knows what they all, what everything on your list is. You know, and God knows what you're thinking. He knows how many hairs you've got in your head, and then he he knows how many hairs you lost on your pillow last night. And so, um, you know, that's the kind of kind of God that He is. And so. Um, So he says that, uh, um, excuse me. He says, "Your father knows that you have need of these things, and and he likes us to ask. Certainly, you know. And uh, you know, if you've got children, you know, it's it's nice to know that they need you. Have them remind you that they need you. Uh, I'm preaching to myself now. It's nice to know that they need you when they want something, and that you, and then you, you get it for them." In fact, I've been teaching my children, let me get it for you, please. Like, please don't climb on the counters and dig around. You know, it's like, we, you have adults here that live to serve you.
1: <laughs> not, not exactly. No.
0: Well, we've been working on that too. I've been teaching my children about what slavery is and reminding them that I am not your slave. So, uh, no, but you know, kids are fun. They they Levi got a kazoo uh yeah from the Moon Marble factory, which if you didn't go you missed out. But uh he decided he was going to smuggle this kazoo to school. And uh but he's not hasn't quite reached the Han Solo status yet because when we got to the parking lot he revealed his cargo to me. And uh Uh, So I had my kids with me, dropping them off. And I I had Ethan and Olivia with me. And um, I thought, you know, this would be a really great time to kind of have a sort of teaching moment with Levi. So I took the kazoo. And I I marched them through the parking lot, literally marched them while playing the kazoo. (laughs) I was hoping. I I was hoping that it would kind of I don't know, embarrass him a little bit because he's very, you know. I'll say funny things to him while we're we'll walking down the hall.
1: So I was kind of hoping, you know. And of
0: course, Ethan and Olivia were just marching along like, "Yep, yeah, that's right, going to so, school." It's like it's just another normal day. So you know, Jeremy seemed unfazed. So, but you know, so I was disappointed. That didn't work out quite how I had hoped. Um, I don't know why I told you that now. Yeah. Okay, so where was I? Um, okay, verse thirty. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows that you have need of these things. You know, and I, I've I've reminded him of that a lot. Like, look, Dad, you know I need this thing, but I just wanted to remind you that I need this thing and uh so he says uh verse 31 but rather seek ye the kingdom of god and all these things will be added to you you know and, and in matthew six thirty-three, it says seek first the kingdom of god which i like how that gives you more of that sense of prioritizing because uh this word for first is um it means first numerically you know, so put it at the, at the top of your list, but it also uh, implies being first in the uh, sense of uh, preeminence in comparison to everything else. This is not only is this should this be first numerically, but this is the most important thing. And so, uh, so he says, seek ye the kingdom of God. Rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things should be added to you. So. So if, when we have things that we need, then we, we put his priorities first, we prioritize him to the top of our list, and then everything else that we're looking for just sort of falls into place. And so yeah. Yeah. I think we find, we've all have learned that uh, those things on our, our list, as it were, are either fulfilled in their, their proper time or they end up somehow just sort of vanishing from our list. And uh, you know I've had things that I thought were really important that just they, they kept getting bumped down the list until eventually they just sort of fell off and and so uh, and, and that's the thing about prioritizing is is it's like it's like sorting through your old your clothes or something you know i uh, I had put on a lot of weight since Jeremy was born, and I had these clothes that I just and I I had this dream that someday I was going to wear them again, and uh, eventually I woke up. I realized I'm not getting back into those clothes again. Or if I do, by then they probably won't be in style anymore. I should probably just buy something that fits then. So I I sorted through them, but they kept they kept kind of surviving all these purges. I'm like I love this shirt, and and. Uh I ended up coming up with somebody who uh, lots of these clothes fit. And so I just passed them on. And he looked better in them than I did anyway. And so that was that. But it, had, it required this sense of, like, well, this, this, I just, no, this, I got to keep this for now. I'm going to keep this for now. I'm gonna, and, but it kept becoming less important that I keep this shirt for now because it's not well, it's getting older now, and it doesn't fit, and uh, so eventually it kind of fell off my list of what was important to hang on to, and so, you know, the the Bible teaches us um, about sowing and reaping, you know, and that's one of the, one thing that my, my children have really gotten, and so I'll ask them, it's like, now, what does the Bible say about what, about sowing and reaping? Like do with others what you have to do to you. So they, they get it. They, they, they can recite it to me at least. You know? And, uh, um, but you know, the <clears throat> it's a principle about uh, the kingdom of God that, that, we, that we have to understand. That what you sow, you reap. And so that applies to the sense of prioritizing. If you put God first, if, if you want your stuff taken care of, you put God first and... He'll make sure your stuff gets taken care of. In fact, God will just... He'll, I mean, He'll take care of your stuff. Don't get me wrong. But um, but the thing that He's after is not worrying so much about your stuff and worrying about His stuff. You know, think about His stuff. Uh, it's like you want Him to take care of your stuff? You take care of His stuff. And, uh, you know, that's uh, an important thing. And He says, Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure... To give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms and provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that fails not. Where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So there, there again is that sense of this is where I'm putting my, I'm laying up my treasures. You know, the prosperous farmer that we read about laid up his treasures in the barn. He served himself and he had had all of his stuff laid up and it, it really didn't benefit him in the end. And so, so he tells you where where you lay up your treasures at, that's where your heart's gonna be. So if you put your treasure in him, if you make him your treasure, then that's that's where your heart is gonna be. And so it begins with decision making. So God, I'm I'm choosing you to be my treasure. So you you show me how to how to lay up my treasures in heaven. And you you make that kind of decision uh, uh, with your your mind, with your willpower, and your heart will follow. Yeah. As you as you do those things, cause, uh, because God is a faithful God, and you can't you just can't draw near to Him without those things just without Him becoming more and more important in your life. So, so He does that. You know, I said earlier that I I, uh, I couldn't quite figure out why how this passage had to do. You know, it was kind of bookended with this idea of putting God first, but it it seemed to be talking about um, he, he, in the middle between these bookends he talks about taking care of you about him taking care of you and I thought why is that and uh, and, and eventually it came down to that there in, in Luke where he uh, where you know he talks about um, and I'm want to read it again because my mind has gone blank. I had it, shouldn't have shut my Bible. How many of you know when Ron shuts his Bible, everybody shuts their Bible and then and you you hear the all the zippers and, and all the rustling and like oh church and then there's usually like this anticipatory whisper among the children, church
1: is almost over. Okay. Um
0: yeah, yeah, so he says that seek rather the kingdom of God and all these things should be added to you in verse thirty one. You know, and and how it has that sense of sowing and reaping. So, you know, God says, Hey, put me first because we have this tendency to think that um and it's it's funny the the older you get, the more established you get in in life that it's like, Well, I I gotta take care of my stuff. I got I gotta I, I gotta do this and you know, I gotta go to work, I gotta pay the bill, I gotta do all this stuff and and you do. But um it's easy to think that, well, but if I what's gonna happen if I flip gas first? What if I end up uh, what if I lose my job? What if I lose this? What if I'm late with my gas bill? What if i my phone gets turned off? What if, what if, what if? And uh it's easy to talk about when you're not worried about any of those things happening to you. You know? Um it's you know if it's another to actually face those things, but I think uh, we've either all experienced or we or know people who have really come into those places where they they made God their choice and and they did go through those things and it turned out okay as as it always does because you just you can't go wrong putting God first. Like I said, you know the things they'll they'll all come together. They may not come together right away. You know, and it's like you listen to Ron talking about the jail ministry. That's a perfect example of putting God above everything else, and it really cost him a lot. But eventually, you know, everything kind of fell together because because that's what God does. So he he, he put God's kingdom first and so God took care of his stuff. So so God's a good God. Well God, we just thank you for this day. We appreciate your word and your your care for us, God. Your, uh, uh, your love, God. How you have watched over us and provided for us, God. And not just in the, in these these everyday mundane things, Lord God, but in the the spiritual things as well, God. Uh, above all, God, we are are thankful, God, that our names are written in the book. We're grateful that you've washed us in your blood, God. That we are. Uh, counted as citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem and God we just uh, appreciate that today and we appreciate your love for us and all that you've done and God we just pray that you would uh, do exactly what you want to do in this place today and that your spirit would minister as only you can in the name of Jesus amen and amen